bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits but a homicide and kills people up... Nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. So while we're waiting, we'll go back to the talk and text line. We were we were discussing whether or not a person should help another person. Should we be a, a good Samaritan? Should we? And somebody had something in here, and, and I and I think I missed it because they had a great topic because they said, um, It's a Samaritan mindset. And I guess that's what Bob was talking about. Hope it's not a cop mindset, but a, a Samaritan mindset where you where you think about all the things that you should be doing when you witness a crime. When you when you actually witness something, and so I mean, what do you do? Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. If it's a female, I know I'll get involved. Okay. Talking text line 414 uh, 416 said, Good evening, Ken. I believe you should do all you can for someone being victimized. Call 911, scream fire, take a video, tell the perpetrator to stop, and that you have called police and all that. If possible, to disrupt the perp with your car, try to bump only. Come on. Are you opening yourself up to some kind of liability for? Like, 
the person's not using deadly force again. Anyway, I'm not going to dive into that. 833-212-1017 is the number. I'm excited because today we have a guest uh, we're going to talk to for a few minutes, uh, Judge Everett Mitchell. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Kid, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm down here at G's Barbershop getting ready to have that conversation about men. Man, uh, what you hanging out with G for? You tell G, Dr. Ken said, what's up? I will. I go talk to him in a second. I appreciate that. So you are running for the Wisconsin Wisconsin State Supreme Supreme Court. Court. Okay. Yes. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, uh, right now I'm a a judge, uh, Dane County Circuit Court judge. I've been elected twice uh, in Dane County. I'm the presiding judge over our juvenile division in Dane County, which means I oversee cases that involve parents who lose their children, children who are caught up in the system, as well as family divorces, civil cases, probate, and small claims. I also run a high-risk drug court program in Dane County, and I also teach two courses uh, at the law school, one on race, racism, and the law, and one on juvenile justice administration. And I'm a senior pastor of Christ the Solid Rock Baptist Church in Madison, Wisconsin. So that's the bio part that people need to know about, that I have the competency. But the personal part is that I'm just, uh, you know, I grew up the son of a single mother. I didn't know my father growing up experienced a lot of trauma uh, in my life for 12 years, watched my sister being abused and always trying to get help and was functionally illiterate. And with the help of two teachers, we were able to learn at the age of 18 and went from making a 1.5 at a a small college in Texas to a 4.0, which allowed for me to thank God to transfer to Morehouse College and get two degrees in mathematics and religion, then eventually get two master's degrees from Princeton, and then eventually make my way to the University of Wisconsin-Madison Law School and earn my JD there. So you're a Morehouse man. Morehouse man. You know that you can't tell us much. <clears throat> I know that's right. I got a lot of friends that are Morehouse men. Tell them they need to log on and vote for their brother who's running for Supreme Court. All mm-hmm. right. And so what are, what are some of the um, instances in Wisconsin law that has caused you to take note and say, I think that the state Supreme Court is somewhere where I need to be. Well, that's, that's true. There's two main issues. One, there's always the capacity to understand that these laws that impact everyday Wisconsinites lives, we really do need to have a judiciary that really is made up of the diversity experiences of our entire state. So just having a cadre of people who have similar experiences, it really does impact the lens that you use to interpret the law. And so you need some different experiences. And then, you know, my work as a judge, uh, as a special juvenile court judge, you see so many inequalities in education, in mental health, in how we how we address the trauma of young people, the how we make sure that we're not adding young people into the adult criminal justice system that they need better leadership at our Supreme Court level to ensure that judges are being adequately prepared to deal with the complex nature of mental health and drugs in their communities so they can learn how to be a part of the community rather than just an island unto itself. Okay. So those are the leadership things that I will bring into the conversation that does not exist with any candidate that is currently there now or one that's running for the seat. Last question. So then how do how does the Supreme Court make sure that circuit court judges and municipal court judges do their jobs? 
So they have the Supreme Court has jurisdiction over every court in our entire state, first of all. Secondly, they then are responsible for setting the temperature of judicial education. So they decide the agenda for judicial education, what is taught, what they're exposed to. They also are the ones who bring together committees that can help inform the community as well as courts and judges um, in best practices that are being used in, in maybe not just in our state, but around the country and sometimes around the world. So they can bring that information back into their courtroom and be able to serve their communities. What I always want many community members to understand is when you go to law school, you don't go to law school to learn social theory, how to work with systems, how to understand trauma. You get none of that. <clears throat> and so some judges, are, if they all they've done has been a prosecutor and then maybe become a judge, they've never gotten the rest of that information to assist them in being able to know what's in front of them and how to change the direction of the system that they are being put into. I decided I didn't want to be a, a clog in the system. I want to be a change of the system. And that required a different set of skills than just what I learned in law school. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. How does a person get in touch with you? How do they find you? Yes, sir. Judge Mitchell for justice.com. You know, the primary is tomorrow, February 21st. So I need all of you all who listening, if you feel inclined after you do your research to go vote February 21st and then grab 10 people, 15 people in your networks to say, hey, let's go out and vote for a young man who's not just talking about justice, but who's actually been doing justice in his uh, career, but also on the bench and is ready to give Wisconsin a light of how we can move our state forward and not keep going backwards, especially for our community. I'm tired of these narratives. We need to change them. We need to change them. Mitchell for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Thank you much. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you so much. Take care. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Oh, I'm sorry, I was back here stepping. Let me stop. Carrie Noni's laughing at me, so I'ma just she's shaking her head like mm, that's too bad. You can't do it. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. Sonia, you're on the new one oh one seven the truth. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. Well, good. I wanted to chime in on this humanitarian effort here. And I have to tell you, I had a situation a couple summers ago where a young man was dragging this young lady by her hair in the middle of the street. And I got involved. He threatened me with a gun. And I told him, do whatever you have to do. But just understand that there are a lot of eyes on you right now. 
as my neighbors were coming outside of their homes because I made a whole lot of fuss. And so by me making a lot of fuss, because most people who are trying to commit crimes and commit things, they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be heard. They just want to get in, do what they got to do and get out. And when you draw attention to these situations, more eyes on things, people have a tendency to leave things alone. But I have to remember, too, just like firefighters, EMTs, there are certain people cut out who are just born to run to the fire when everyone else is running out. Correct. So not not everybody is cut out. You know, I, I, I can't get upset at some people when they say, you know, I really wanted to do something, but I didn't know what to do. And I, I really... You know, I didn't want to get hurt. Self-preservation always takes over. So in, in knowing that, there are actually a lot of people out here who will intervene at, in, in some situations. But, you know, there are a certain percentage of people who are not cut out for that. And it, it, it just kind of is what it is because, you know, people are different. But... For those of us who do run towards the fire, you know, they go gung-ho and they're head on and they definitely have that humanitarian effort to preserve life and to help people when they see people, you know, in dangerous situations. So it's kind of hard to assess when someone doesn't step in you know, it's it's, it's kind of difficult to assess that. And you really don't want to make people feel bad because they probably do feel bad that they were not able to step in or they're not built for things like that. But, you know, hopefully they can make enough noise, and I'm putting this out there for everyone, make enough noise, draw attention to if you don't want to directly get involved, and at the very least, have a lot of eyes on this situation to know that this person can be caught doing what they're trying to do. But isn't so, that's all I wanted to. But isn't isn't just simply calling 911 getting involved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But sometimes, like in my case, this situation was escalating so quickly as I'm dialing 911, I had to intervene. But again, you know, that's that's just me. That's just what I'm going to do. Not everybody's cut out for that. That's true. That is true. Thank you much, Sonia. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You, you two have a great evening and stay safe out there. All right. Take care. <laughs> it's it's. It's strange that I have women calling in saying that they would intercede and not a lot of guys. Am I sexist in that instance? Yes. Unabashedly. I don't I make I make no apologies for being who I am. Eight three three two one two one zero one seven is the number. It's a Samaritan mindset, Dr. Ken, and it is not 
common, sadly. And then when I mentioned it, um, Anika replied back, me, you either have it or you don't. Well, which one do you have, Anika? Do you, do you, do you have a Samaritan mindset? I mean, those are the people that go into fire and police and first responder and nursing and medical doctor and all that stuff. I don't know if it's medical doctor because some of them be, you know, they be in it for the loop. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, think about it. Medical doctors, um, people who heal, people who save people, they they have that Samaritan mindset where a a medical doctor is going to jump in and and I would say all things being equal, not really think about whether or not something bad's going to happen because they're trying to save your life. So I don't know. Fonz Hawthorne said, back when I was a younger man, I might have intervened. But now as an older man with kids and grandkids, much more to lose. And I've been a father since 15. Also, people are nowadays are, are worse quality than in the past. No worth my life nowadays unless it's family and friends. So you would say family and friends, but you wouldn't intercede for somebody you don't know. I say it depends. I say it depends. LT said, I stopped some Marquette kids from beating up a homeless person years ago. I think I would have interceded if a man is beating up a woman, calling 911 first, of course, but I legally carry a, and he tells that, but he says it's 45 caliber and those bullets can go through a person, can kill someone behind them. So those situations are always dangerous. My reply to him was change your caliber or get the right kind that don't do that. But we're not going to sit and talk guns on the air. So <laughs> good life said about Everett Mitchell. He has my vote. Okay. Interesting to know. 833-212-1017 is the number. Tune in to the new 1017 The Truth this Saturday at 11 for our new show, Diversity and Excellence, powered by Erie Insurance, hosted by me and Fred Johnson, Vice President and State Manager for Erie Insurance. We'll be discussing Erie Insurance's community engagement efforts and how they're looking to make a positive impact in Milwaukee. So again, don't miss... Diversity and Excellence Powered by Erie Insurance this Saturday, 11 o'clock on the new 101.7 The Truth. See, I can read. I learned to read. I graduated the fifth grade. Are you listening to music? Or are you just, okay, I was, I was, I'm, I'm glad. You not? Oh, so you just sit and rock yourself like that. Wow. You know, they got medication for that. <laughs> I would make a really bad joke, but then you'd cut off my microphone and I wouldn't be able to get on air for the rest of my show. And it would be really bad. But anyway, uh, be sure you tune in also this Saturday because it's the Ken Harris show this weekend, right? Um, at 10 o'clock, I'll be with uh, Dr. Bashir Easter and Dr. Jerome Williams for Men Making Health a Priority presented by all of us. Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. We'll be examining the Bible as a history book and actually what it means 
for black men's health. Make sure you tune in 10 o'clock this Saturday, presented by all of us Milwaukee, right here on the new 1017 The Truth. Myself, uh, Dr. Ken Harris, Dr. Bashir Easter, and Dr. Jerome Williams. We'll be having a really good time. Now, that was a good show. Y'all should check them both out, though. Have a good time. No, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. You're going you gonna to jack me like that? You're going to jack me like that? You're going to jack me like that? Yeah. You know? Wow. 833-212-1017 is the number. Um, LT responded. Um, nah, I, I ain't touching that, LT. Oh, no, I'm not touching that. Um, tune in to my show this Wednesday at 5. I'll be joined by the Clotilda Descendant Society to discuss the history of the last slave ship to ever reach U.S. soil in 1860 and how they created a thriving black community now called Africatown in Alabama. If you have not seen the documentary, I think it's on Netflix, on the Clotilda, or you don't know what the Clotilda is, you need to find that documentary and watch it. It will bring you to tears. This interview is this Wednesday, 5 o'clock, the story of the Clotilda on Truth in the Afternoon with me, Dr. Ken Harris. The Clotilda was the last slave ship to ever reach U.S. soil in 1860 after many things were outlawed. And so there's some things that they did in order to cover it up. There's some things they did to once again make sure black people didn't have money. And some of the people on the ship were not slaves. And so it's it's a it's an interesting story, and I think it will leave you uh breathless, disappointed, but also encouraged because of the things that happen after they find it. But some of the rhetoric you're going to hear during the documentary helps you understand when, well, I'm just saying it, when white people get scared they're going to lose something, the lengths to which they will go to, and I'm speaking in general terms, not everybody, um, that was the opposite. But anyway, very, very specific people will get upset and get mad and do dastardly things to hold on to their family's wealth. That's Wednesday at 5 o'clock right here on the new Ronald 17 The Truth. Traffic, weather, and sports up next. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Now. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is the number. I'm missing something. Oh, there it is. I almost forgot. Black Business Give Back is back. We have, again, teamed up with Associated Bank to help local black businesses grow and succeed together. The home of Milwaukee Black Talk will be giving away $6,000 worth of free commercial advertising for three months to five black businesses each quarter of 2023. To sign up for this incredible marketing opportunity, visit 
blackbusinessgiveback.com. That's blackbusinessgiveback.com. Let's rebuild our community's backbone through exposure on the new 1017 The Truth. For official rules, head to blackbusinessgiveback.com. Associated Bank member, FDIC. Hey. Do you dance? Like, do you know how to dance? So you go out, like, to clubs and stuff and just sit down? I can move, but I can't, like, dance for real, for real. You can't do, like, I actually danced in high school. I, was, I danced in middle school. I was I was part of a dance troupe, and we danced. There were four of us, and we danced, and we had a really, really, really good orchestra, which is weird that you had high school students playing music like an orchestra from, like, the Philharmonic. And, and they played the actual song that we danced to. Like, if you came up with a dance song like that, they would actually play it as an orchestra. Full instrumentation. It's pretty cool. Did a lot of traveling. Went a lot of places to universities and did dance. It was, it was yeah. I think back and go, oh, my gosh. That's kind of yeah, weird, bizarre, strange. And now people laugh at me. Ooh, Dion the Nine. See, we ain't, we ain't repeating that. You got, you, got, you got the talking text line open. Yeah, you see this ridiculousness. We need to block him. Block him. <laughs> you blocked. No, you're not. But I thought I'd scare you. Of course, this is the same person saying that I'm not helping a man or a woman. So go figure, right? Right. Interesting. Interesting. 833-212-1017 is the number. I'm going to take advantage of who's producing my show because I, I got a lot of notes for a lot of stuff. I didn't get to a lot of stuff today. And so, hmm. <laughs> Ooh. That's what happens when you rush. Um, oh, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh-oh. I got multiple sets of paper. That's that's what the problem is. I got like 12,000 pieces. So, I have a question. And it and it has to do with something I talked about <laughs> before. Um Is black hair today unprofessional? I mean, I see black hair, but I don't see a lot of professional women wearing black hair. And when I say black hair, I mean hair that reflects your ethnicity. I, I still see it straightened. I still see it natural, but I don't see it in a way braids or some other, what I like to call a clerk, kerfluffle. You know what a kerfluffle is? Okay. Um, some kind of, yeah. I don't see that. And so one of the things that that intrigued me about it is the fact that there's a new study that found that black women's hair is two and a half more times to be seen as unprofessional. 
And the data also found that 66% of black women often change their hair for a job interview. And so I'm of the understanding that if you're going to represent, I say represent. But that's just me. Last year, Massachusetts became the 18th state to adopt the Crown Act, the Crown Act, an imperative bill that shields individuals from discrimination over natural and protective hairstyles in the workplace and other institutions. But as lawmakers work tirelessly for the bill to be passed nationwide, the fact to the fight to end race-based hair discrimination continues. And so in 2001, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, gave women the right to wear braids to work. That's like that's that's the first time a woman was ever actually ever to wear braids to work. Somebody took it to the Supreme Court and sued a new study co-commissioned by Dove and LinkedIn found that black women's hair was two and a half times more likely to be perceived as unprofessional in the workplace. Data reveals also, as I said, 66 percent of black women often change their hair for an interview, many opting for a straight hairstyle over their natural coils. Fifty four percent of participants surveyed felt they had to wear their hair straight in order to be seen as professional or successful. Other women said they experience microaggressions from coworkers or higher ups when wearing their natural or textured hair around the workplace. So you know how I feel about microaggressions. I think they're dumb. If it's a micro, I'm going to just forget that you even exist and just move on. But that's me. More than 20%, the study noted, more than 20% of black women aged 25 to 34 had been sent home from work because of their hair. Young black professionals are feeling the brunt of hair discrimination in the U.S. According to the study, 44% of black women under 34 said they felt pressured to have a headshot with straight hair, where 25% revealed they'd been denied a job interview or just simply overlooked for opportunities because of hair. S.C. Eggleston Bracey, president and CEO of Unilever Personal Care in North America, said in a statement, for far too long, black women and men have been subject to unfair treatment, outright discrimination, and a myriad of inequities for simply wearing our natural hair texture and hair styles that are inherent to our cultural identity. This includes being denied employment, sent home from work, overlooked, microaggressions. This may be hard to believe, but it is real, clearly unwarranted, and unacceptable. And she said the partnership between Dove and LinkedIn is to help put an end to race-based hair discrimination in the workplace. What are your thoughts? Have you been victim of hair issues at work? Have you been, have you seen other people be victim of that type of discrimination? Have you witnessed it, knew it was wrong, but didn't speak up about it? And if not, why? 833-212-1017 is the number you're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. This is the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
young black boy in the hood Catching grasshoppers in the lot I was getting bullied in the school I was getting chased from the arcade Fully kissed, thought that that was cool Round the corner from the projects I was getting to go to the pool You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris Want to remind you Economics, politics, and philosophy on the Bluff Speaker Series is coming to the new 101.7 The Truth Friday, February 28th, 4 to 6 I'll be live from the Concordia University, Wisconsin, Robert W. Plaster Free Enterprise Center Collaboratorium. My guest will be Dr. Rachel Ferguson from Concordia University of Chicago, author of Black Liberation Through the Marketplace, and Jason Fields, along with Dr. Van Mobley, professor of history and economics, to really talk about this thing Black Americans need in our community, the economics, the way to make sure that there is liberation and using the marketplace to do it. So make sure you join us. You can come to the university live, but you have to register. Thetruth.eventbrite.com. Make sure you check it out. See me live. See us do a radio show live. I, I think I think you will find it um, informative. But also, she has some very, very specific things in her book that she talks about in relation to how the black community can do things related to the church, related to organizations, related to all sorts of things. So make sure you um, make sure you check it out. 833-212-1017 is the number. Latalia, you're on the new 1017 The Truth. Hi, Dr. King. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, so I wanted to call in in reference to uh, what you were mentioning about with the natural hair. I actually experienced um, a situation like that maybe about six years ago, um, which actually inspired me to go natural. I had a manager. I had a sewing in my hair at the time. It was straight long hair, and I had a manager that came to get me from my office and brought me into the room where there was another black girl and she was wearing her natural hair like a fro on top of her head. And he told her, he was like, this is the way you're supposed to wear your hair. And he pointed to me. Wow. He was like, what is that? He said, what is that? It looks like broccoli florid. And I literally looked at her and I told, I told him and her, I said, there is nothing wrong with her hair. Her hair is beautiful. And I walked out of the room. And the look on her face, she was humiliated. She she was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and not long, not too long after that, she got let go, and I actually got let go as well. Um, but it that situation it that triggered you know me to just go natural after that. I've been natural ever since, so going on about five six years now. Um, but yeah, there is definitely discrimination in the workplace um, against you know, blacks for naturally wearing their hair the way it grows out of their head. So how do we fix that? Um, we continue to wear our hair. I mean, my hair is natural. It's natural right now. I twist it up and I love it. It's, it's liberating to me. Um, I wear it, you know, and I work in a professional setting now. I actually, um, last week just got my hair pressed because I needed to trim my ends and I wore it to work, and I got the most compliments that I've ever gotten on it, and I've been wearing it natural all mm-hmm. this time. So I'm like, you know, it, it's just, 
Um, that's what people are used to, like this European standard of beauty right. seems to be, right. you know, the only thing that is accepted. But when we begin to love ourselves and respect ourselves and appreciate um, who God created us to be, regardless of what anyone else has to say about it, and uh, we can be fearless in that and actually really truly appreciate the beauty um, because it is beautiful. Um, once we can do that, that's how we change it, by saying we're not going to give in to, um, you know, other standards of beauty. Because, you know, if they can get roll out of bed and walk in and be accepted the way their hair naturally grows out of their head, we should be able to be accepted for that as well. So I don't know your age, Natalia, but I would ask, where did the disconnect come? Oh, okay. So I can't ask you that question. So, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but no, think think turned 29. <laughs> well, happy birthday. But Thank the you. but the question I was going to ask and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful or anything. Do you remember your parents or grandparents talking about when a lot of that changed because I remember in the 1970s and 80s, I mean, the moniker was black is beautiful and they didn't really care. And they went to work and they worked in 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 all sorts of places. And didn't care about their hair. All of a sudden, maybe late 80s, early 90s, assimilation took place in droves. Black people, I think in at the end of the Reagan era, beginning of, of uh, Bill Clinton, we, black people started getting great jobs, CEO positions. And I guess in order to function, they changed. Mm-hmm. But then how do we yeah, get it that, back to that? Well, um, I mean, you know, putting relaxers and all that stuff in, in your hair, on your scalp, that's not good for your health. So I think we need to understand all of the things that we're doing to try to be like someone else is actually detrimental to our well-being. Um, and so, again, I, I think it's just, understanding all that we're doing, understanding the pressures, but not caring and just, you know, um, being a maverick and saying, this is who I am. I love who I am. I'm going to be who I am. But it, it starts with self-love. It starts with appreciating and respecting who God created you to be. Um, and so I, you know, that's pr- pretty much what I have to say. My mom was a beautician. My aunt was a beautician. Um, you know, they started out with all of the perms and the relaxers and the weave. And my mom, she's like transitioned into doing, you know, more natural style. So I feel like we just need more people who um, will continue to just be unapologetically natural. And I mean, the stuff that they promote on media and on TV doesn't necessarily um, doesn't necessarily I guess, except, you know, that look, but it, things, things appear to be changing. I feel like when more of it can also be uh, publicized and televised as well, um, that will help reach, you know, a broader audience of people and they'll be used to seeing that. But just from, you know, everyday people, right. we make the decision to say we're going to, you know, love and respect ourselves, it'll change. It'll change. Just It'll come with more self-love. All right. Well, thank you much. Wise words from a 29-year-old. 
Thank you. Take care. Thank you for that. All right. Bye-bye. 833-212-1017 is the number. We only got about a minute or so, not even that left. I I, I, I think back, and I guess I'm going to have to talk about this tomorrow. Um, so remind me, send me an email or something, say, hey, you're supposed to talk about because you know I'm going to forget. Um, there's so many things and so many products and so many tests on foods and medicine that black people were just not included. So the majority of the things that we use today weren't made for us. Clearly, melanin in your skin causes a different reaction in some instances to things. This this moniker, this this idea that we're all the same, you know, we all bleed the same, that's cute, but that's not bearing itself out. And I want to make sure that people understand that that in the future, we have to remember that we're different. We are different and our chemistry is different. Our ethnicity is different. Our heritage from sub-Saharan Africa is different. So different things affect us in different ways. It's, it's not bad. It's just difference. And we have to remember that It's going to take some modicum of respect from those who are in the majority to respect and love us as we love everyone. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. I want to say thank you to Noni. Very Noni. Thank you. Appreciate you. Never miss a show by streaming us on multiple platforms, the Truth app, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Tori Lowe shows up next. He'll be hitting it. I'll be back again around midnight and 5 a.m. And you can listen in the morning for MK in the morning right here on the new 1017 The Truth. I'll see you in 22 hours. I'm out.